Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Acts chapter 17. Now we're still studying the subject of faith. I was praying the other day. I said, Lord, how, do you, how long do you want me to teach on this? And the Lord spoke to me and said, till people really begin to get this. Now I want you to know, 34 years ago when I came back to the Lord, I, just the mercy of God is the only way I can describe it. Because I ran into so much opposition. I, I just, uh, to this day, I'm amazed at, at the mercy God had on me. There was, uh, and I don't know why, I don't try to judge people, I don't try to judge people's motives or why they do things or why, or why they believe what they do or what they don't. But there was just, uh, here in Galveston, I'd go off to, to Brother Hagin's Holy Ghost meetings and his, I remember I went to a prayer seminar, then I went to a Holy Spirit seminar, and, and one of them was in April of, uh, of 1984, the other was in July of 1984. And uh, then I, uh, of course, I went to Bible school at Lakewood. I, I went every, two, every Tuesday night. That's where I met, met Ted and Ella. Every Tuesday night I was at Mom and Papa Ward's uh, in, a, in a real uh, a great teaching session and usually a pretty powerful Holy Ghost session. And, uh, uh, but there were just people that kept coming to me, just this constant parade of people coming to me trying to convince me that the direction I was going, and what I mean the direction I was going is, is the people that I was associating with and the ministries I, I was associating was wrong. I mean, they, they even called them by name. You're not, you're not buying into that Hagen stuff, are you? I mean, they actually challenged me on that. You're, not, you're, not, you're really not going to Bible school at Lakewood, are you? And I mean, not just once or twice, but there was a constant bombardment of that. You know, the enemy will do you the same way. He'll send people in. And listen, this, isn't, this wasn't the hell's angels doing this to me. This wasn't the banditos doing this to me. This was, quote, well-meaning Christians doing this to me. And I didn't understand it until a few years later when I began to understand that, listen, if you drift out into religion, then anything that's not of religion, you're going to oppose that. And what we do, this is not religion. This is real. Uh, we don't believe in a, in a religious Jesus. We believe in a real Jesus. Amen. We don't believe in a religious Holy Ghost. We believe in the Holy Ghost. So you got to be careful when people begin to, you know, you don't still go to that church where they teach that you could actually get a miracle or that, or that God could actually prosper you financially or heal your body. Yes, you do. And you need to learn to value and defend that. Because the enemy is always trying to pull you out of that. Well, in, in, in dealing with those things... And in, in, in studying and preparing messages, because I'd take off teach on faith and, and, you know, thank God for the anointing. But if it's not there, I'd still teach on faith. But I want the anointing to be there. And the Lord spoke to me and said, you're going to have to simplify some things. And you're going to have to show some people some things in the Word of God to help them understand that the greatest life enhancement on planet Earth available to anybody is a spiritual life lived by faith. That is the top of the ladder. They say, well, I, I've been to Tony Evans, or I, I've been to these self-help. It doesn't matter. If you want to get to the top of the ladder when it comes to the enhancement of life, it is learning to live a spiritual life by faith. Now, a lot of people, you know, they, 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 they just like enough, quote, religion to keep their conscience satisfied. But listen, when you make a decision, I'm going to live by faith, it'll touch every facet of your life. 
It's touched my marriage. It's touched my ministry. I'm not just saying touch. It got a hold of it. Got a hold of my marriage. Got a hold of my ministry. It affects everything I do. It affects uh, even the minor things, my hunting, my fishing, everything I do. Literally, my faith affects that. You say, do you really believe that? No, I really know that because I've watched it happen for 34 years. The joy of God, the peace of God. You say, well, you must just live a life with no problems. Man, I've had problems like you wouldn't believe. But the good news is I've had the answer and I've got the word that removes the doubt that causes faith to come and God shows up in every situation. Now, He may not do it the way I think He should do it. He might not do it at the time I think he want, that I want Him to do it. But He always does it in such a way in which He maximizes the potential of His glory. Now, Acts chapter 17, it's an unusual chapter in the book of Acts. Paul found himself in a very educated city. Uh, a, a lot of philosophy, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, how can you say this? A lot of, uh, of probably theology when it came to the, quote, gods of the world. And, and, you know, Paul being an intellectual at one time, I think one of his biggest problems is he tried to come down to their level and, and try to stay, and try to, instead of trying to stay on God's level, it's, it's the one of the few cities where he never established a church. He didn't establish a church there. But in his, in his speech among those people, uh, beginning in verse 23, it says, For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. Well, I want you to know they weren't ignorantly worshiping the real God. You say, how do you mean? You don't worship God through ignorance. You worship him through knowledge. Amen. Now, it says here, and God made the world. Now, he begins to expound on the God, but he, he found a place to hook up with them. Amen. And the unknown God, well, it was an unknown God to them, but known to him. So he found a place to hook up. Always find a place to hook up with people. It says, God that made the world and all the things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. So they had all these idols and they had all these temples to all these gods. And he was saying, man, that's not the way it works. You know, man doesn't know the way it works. Only God knows the way it works. It says, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth all life and breath and all things. Now, do you see that? God giveth. Listen, notice that again. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. So no matter who you are on this planet, the fact that you can breathe is because of God. The fact that you have food is because of God. The fact that you exist is because of God. Now, a lot of people, they say, well, I'm telling you, I really don't believe that. I'm telling you, I'm my own person. I'm out there making my own way, earning my own living, and I really don't need God for anything. But if I do get in trouble, then I might, you know, glance His way. Well, you're wrong. Everything you have is of God. Whether you serve Him, whether you love Him, whether you're born again or whether you're not, everything that exists on this planet is of God. Amen. Now, notice this. It says, uh, and hath made, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth. Now notice that. Has what? Made of all men one blood. That means we're all part, we all start out as part of the human family. And that literally shows us that, uh, what a sin prejudice is. So well, I don't like the color of somebody's skin. Skin ain't got nothing to do with it. 
You get in a car accident and need blood. I don't care. You won't care if it's African blood, Asian blood, Hispanic blood. You just can't have monkey blood. Or gorilla blood. Amen. Isn't that how Jethro says it? Gorilla? Amen. That right there, that one scripture right there ought to remove all prejudice. And let me just say this. Uh, traveling as I've traveled over the years, some of the strongest prejudice I've ever seen in my life has had nothing to do with color, had to do with religion. I mean, I, I was in a nation for many years where they're killing themselves over religion. But God has made us all of one blood, put us all in one family. We're all in the human family. Thank God we got out of it when we got born again, got into God's family. Amen. Uh, now notice this, and it's made of one blood all nations of all men to dwell on the face of the earth and at the term and the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That means God has set certain things in the earth. You know, I, I saw a deal. Now this, this, this I, I'm so glad I lived long enough to prove this out. But back in the 80s, uh, actually, actually I was in Hawaii and I was listening to a program and it was talking about how the, how the waters of the earth, how the, how the poles were going to melt and the waters of the earth were going to increase. And it actually talked about the region in which we live. And it said literally the coastline of the Gulf Coast of, of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Florida was going to disappear. So Florida's going to be gone. Amen. And then the, the coastline of Texas would run way up around Austin, Waco, and Dallas. And that was supposed to happen by the year 2000. Well, we're in 2018, and pretty much the shore is where it's always been. Now, here's why. You can go read in Proverbs, God, the Bible says, and God has set the boundaries of the oceans. Amen. That means that sand on the ocean, even the storm may rise up and wash over, but the sand has to say, you got to go back eventually. Brother Osteen used to preach a powerful message on a little piece of sand and how the big ocean would rise up and say, I'm going to overtake you and I'm going to flood you and you're never going to be the same. And that little bit, big piece of sand would say, but I got the word of God. You're going to have to go back. You're going to have to go back to your place. God has set all those places of habitations. He set, he set all the dimensions of time. All of those things are already set by God. That means one day, one day there's going to be a shout of an archangel. And the eastern sky is going to burst open and there's going to be a cloud up there. And Jesus is going to be in that cloud. He's going to call us all up to that cloud. You say, now you've got to be out of your mind to believe something like that. I am out of my mind and into my spirit. Amen. 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 Now, notice what it says down a little further. It says that they should seek the Lord. Now, all of these things he just gave is the reason we should seek the Lord. That they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. God's not far. Now, notice this. For in him we live and move and have our beings. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring, speaking of creation. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto silver or gold or stone or graven art and man's devices. Now what he was doing is addressing all of the statues of Mars and Venus and Jupiter and all of the gods, he is pointing at them and saying, let me tell you something, you have sowed God down the wrong path by thinking he could be made into the likeness of anything with gold or silver or anything else. God is God. 
He does not need a statue. He has, le he has left, basically if you go study this and read out to the commentators, Paul is saying this, God has left a living witness in front of our eyes which your hands can handle, which your eyes can see, which your ears can hear. He says it in Romans like this, if we observe all of the creation of man and in all of its order and say there is no God, we are a fool. Well, I don't want to be a fool. Amen. So God is calling a people to live a spiritual life by faith and to recognize and realize that it is in Him we live and move and have our being. Everybody say, in Him. I live, I move, and have my being. Now, go if you will to the book of John. I think this is one of the greatest, how can you say this, things that God has ever done for humanity in that unwilling to allow humanity to have a limited access and approach like they did in Israel's day through a bleeding sacrifice and a priesthood or a prophet's ministry. He has literally, now this is something we take for granted church that we need to wake up to. He has literally through the new birth taken us out of the human family and put us into God's family. Now listen to me. And the Spirit of God lives in you. Now I told you I was going to bring you back to some of the basic principles of faith. This is one right here you've got to get a hold of. By faith, you have to start believing, then come to the place where you know that the Spirit of God abides in me. Amen? Now here's the problem. We would be so convinced of the Spirit of God abiding or living in us if it was there through presence. You say, what do you mean there through presence? If we had a feeling or a, or a sense or a, man, I just, man, whoo, I just, whoo, I'm telling you, he, he's in there, God's in there. First of all, you couldn't contain it <laughs> if he did. Come on, church. God in you. Paul said it like this, Christ in you, the hope of glory, the creator of all that is and was and ever be, would ever be actually abiding. Now, people will say this, well, theologically that sounds good, but you know, in reality, that's probably not true. Well, that's crazy. The Word says that the Spirit of God comes to abide in the new birth, in the spirit man of every man and woman on the planet that dares to make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. God is in you. Let me say it again. God is in you. I said God is in you. But if it was in you through presence, you would need no faith. That's why the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please Him because your adherence to God Himself living in you by faith pleases God. They believe I'm in there. They believe I'm in there. And what's amazing about Christians, oh my goodness, it ain't hard for them to admit a bit, a bit that the devil's after them. 
Man, the devil's been tormenting me. The devil's been, you know, the devil's been tormenting my mind. He's been after my finances, been after my body. Devil, 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 devil. And people get so devil aware. I can feel the devil. I thought I saw the devil. I mean, you know, come on. But when it comes to poor old God, he can't hardly even, you know, give you a pink on the inside. Come on, church. Amen. Now, Jesus began to teach. Now, remember in the Gospels, his teaching was to spiritually dead men. Still, they, even though they observed the glory and the majesty of the, of the Son of Man being with them and all His anointing, having the Spirit of God without measure upon Him, they still did not have the capacity to receive what you receive by faith through the Word of God until He raised from the dead and they received the Holy Spirit just like you did. Now, notice there, John chapter 14. How's my time? I've got a few minutes Begin there in verse 15. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Well, that's pretty simple. How do you know you love God? You keep His commandments. Now, it's that simple. I've always found out the things of God are pretty simple. Well, I know I love God. I've got this warm, fuzzy feeling. Well, you won't have it long. Amen. It's going to go away. Thank God if you've got it, but if you, if you do, it'll go away. I'm telling you, that's not bad news. That's just the news. Amen. He said, I will pray the Father and He shall give you another comforter that He may abide with you just while you're in church. Now notice those two words. Now this is an amazing phenomenon. Now let's just, since we're doing basic things, let's keep it real basic. God, we believe by the Word of God that God is triune. There is God the Father. There is God the Word, God the Son, or who we call Jesus Christ. Then there's God the Spirit. And what's unique about God in His unity or in His oneness is He has the ability to manifest Himself in three different entities. You say, well, how does He do that? I have no clue and never have I heard anybody else does. He just can do that. Now think about this. A part of Him, which is His Spirit, which we call the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Ghost comes into our hearts in the new birth and He comes upon us through the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But it's not a temporal thing while we're upon this planet or once we get to heaven it's removed. It is forever. Now if it is forever, that must mean God, that must mean God has what? He has a forever purpose for you. Somebody needs to get that in their spirit. Because you live in such a temporal realm. Listen, these 70, 80, 90 years are still very temporal. They go by quick. Next thing you know, you're going to blink your eyes. You're going to be absent from the body. You're going to be present, from the Lord, present with the Lord. Or you're going to go up in the rapture. One of the two is going to happen to you. Or you're going to go, I like to say it like this. Everybody participates in the rapture. You either come up or you go down. Say, so what do you mean by that? Well, the saints that are in heaven come down with Jesus, and then the, the, the family of God on earth comes up and meets them. We have a big family reunion right there in the clouds with Jesus. Isn't that great? So you've got to understand that God, He does not say, well, will the rapture's taken, give me my spirit back, give me the Holy Ghost back. You have it forever. The Bible says that God is going to use the church throughout the, the, the expanse of time and throughout the universe to, to manifest His wisdom to all. Woo! Glory to God. So this is now part of you. Now listen, you say, what is the part? Well, why would God do that? Because He has included you in a family. 
And unless you're part of the family, it doesn't work. And if you're part of the family, then you've got to cooperate with the rules of the family. Are you with me? He said, I'm going to give you another what? He says, I'm going to give you another comforter. Of course, we know that's comforter, counselor, helper, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, and standby. The sevenfold working of the Spirit of God in our lives. Now listen, this is a phenomenon that, that, that man, I'm telling you, if Moses could be just an usher at Island Church, he'd have chosen to be an usher at Island Church instead of, instead of being Moses. You say, why? Because he lived in a day in which the Spirit did not abide. Although he did signs and wonders and miracles and delivered the children of Israel from Egypt's bondage, he still was a spiritually dead man. Amen? And when he died, he, re he received the reward of those that lived under those covenants and he went into the bowels of this earth and remained in Abraham's bosom till Jesus went down there and preached to them and brought them all to heaven. But when you get to heaven, you're going to find out not everybody's like you in heaven. You say, what do you mean by that? There's going to be, there's going to be the pre-Abrahamic people that got there, people like Enoch, I believe Adam and his wife will be there. I believe that uh, uh, Abel will be there. There'll be others that will be there. Noah will be there. And then there'll be those from Abraham's covenant all the way down to Jesus that will be there. Those are the Old Testament saints. Then there's going to be the church. Then gonna, there's going to be those that are martyred during the tribulation. Then there's going to be those that get saved during the thousand year millennial. But we will be different from all of them. We will be the family of God. And he's come to abide when forever. Everybody say forever. Now notice this. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you shall know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now this is what I want to, if I was to title this, it would be called Faith to Live a Spiritual Life by Understanding the Twofold Working of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. A lot of Christianity, because this is what they've done in the seminaries, they've moved from teaching theology, theology to psychology. And a lot of Christianity has moved to a psychological message that may stimulate the mind and touch the emotions, but has nothing to do with the Spirit. Has nothing to do with the Spirit. So first of all, these realities that the Word of God tells us must become a part of your being, just like your hands or your feet or your legs or your head, and it must dominate your thinking. Number one, if you have believed in your heart, confessed with your mouth, according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, you are born again. You are a new creature in Christ. The Bible says old things have passed away. All things are new for you. You are no longer a part of the human family. You are now part of God's family. So if you continue to try to live your life as part of the human family, you're going to end up frustrated. Let me say that again. If you continue to live your life as part of the human family, you're going to end up frustrated because you're no longer in that family. So it's going to frustrate you. It's going to cause you all kinds of issues. You might as well just go over and begin to live like what you are. You are a new creature. Your identity has changed. How many times have I used that illustration here? 
about how important identity is when it comes to the new birth. About, you know, pull a gun on me and, and, and tell me to deny I'm a man. I just, you know, I'll say, where's my purse? Uh, deny, that I'm, deny that I'm Caucasian or white. I'll say, what's happening? Or I'll say, glory adios, whatever, whatever you want. I'm not going to die for that. But if you say, deny that you're blood-bought, deny that you're in God's family, deny that Jesus is the Lord, I'm going to say, pull the trigger. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's part of my family's heritage. Amen. 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 Part of my family's heritage is by His stripes I'm healed. That's part of our heritage. Part of our heritage is what? My God supplies all of my need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You get over here and try to live as a human being when God has caused you to be born again into a spiritual being, then you're going to get frustrated. And a lot of Christians get so frustrated they just throw in the towel. As I can't tie them. You know, man, at church, I'll tell you, I don't know. They're just I think they're kind of crazy myself. Come on, church. Then he says, he's not, she'll, she'll only be in you, he shall be with you. That shows us that the Spirit of God comes in through the new birth to abide, but through the baptism in the Spirit to empower. Now, I think, I think for times, well, you need to get saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. Speak in tongues. Well, that's, you know, sometimes people just don't buy into that. Because speaking in a language which you've never learned goes against the grain of your human origin. If I want to learn something, I'll get me, what, what's the tapes called you can get the? Rosetta, yeah, get the Rosetta Stone, you know. And no, that's not what it's talking about. But what it is, so many people have their eyes on the tongues part, they get their eyes off of the empowerment part. You shall receive what? Power. After that the Holy... See, these, things, these two things are so important to living a spiritual life by faith. So you must understand, not only does God cause His Spirit to come on and abide on, the, abide on the inside, which makes you a new creature, a new species of being, a new person altogether, but then He empowers you with the Holy Ghost so that you can now live a supernatural life. A life that is not governed by the natural laws of the human family. You say, what do you mean by that? For, for 34 years, 32 years that Lee and I have been married, our life has not been governed by the natural laws of the human family. It has been governed by the spiritual laws of the Word of God. You say, well, have you got it right every time? No way. Nobody ever does. You stumble, you fall, but you get back up and you keep pressing in to this side of the equation instead of reverting back and living on the other side. All that do is, all that do. I mean, we're so far into it now. What am I going to Quit this. What, where am I, who's going to hire me? And sometimes, well, what's on your resume? 34 years of preaching the gospel and speaking in tongues. Well, that's a really good, you know, job resume right there, isn't it? I mean, those, those days are so far behind us, we have no other consideration. This is our life forever. And we've learned that through the Spirit abiding and through the Spirit empowering, it keeps us in the reality of the laws that govern God's family instead of us scratching back in to the laws that govern the human family and staying totally frustrated and just kind of hoping for a miracle. Now, my time, I've got five minutes. Let me help you. This will help you because I know it's Father's Day. That's why we're not going to have communion tonight. I'm going to let you go out and be with your dads all day. Enjoy. But let me say this. Over in the human family, much of anything you're ever going to get, you're going to have to make it happen. 
You have to make it happen. I mean, if you don't get out there and do it, it ain't going to get done. So I'm just waiting for somebody to pour it on me. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Then you get born again, you get filled with the Holy Ghost, and another component is added. There's not only that which you have to make happen in the spirit realm, but there's then that element of having to let things happen. Because things have to find their way out of the spirit and into your life. And that's where a lot of people who are governed by the laws of the human family get really frustrated because they get confused. Well, what about this thing? Should I make it happen? Should I let it happen? What am I going to do? I'm praying. I'm speaking the word. I'm doing my best to live. You get frustrated. You get emotional. That's, that's a sign you're reverting back. Instead of just standing in faith and praying and allowing God to say, now this is what you need to let happen and this is what you need to make happen. Now, let me give you a couple of illustrations. We'll close. Number one, sickness, disease. Listen, you get attacked in your body and you get a diagnosis. We are going to make it happen. You say, what do you mean by that? We're going to take the Word of God. We're going to minister it to you. We're going to trust you're going to hear it. We're going to trust the Holy Ghost to give you revelation. We're going to lay hands on you. If we've got to lay hands on you till all your hair falls off. We're going to pray for you. We're going to bind. We're going to cast. We're going to agree. We're going to anoint with oil. We're going to do everything we know to do. We're going to make that happen. I tell the testimony, Leah was, we, we had a beach outreach. It's been three or four years ago. And I guess it's been four years ago now. And uh, she came home and she'd had some symptoms. And man, I'm telling you, they hit her like a freight train. And she was doubled over. We were on our way out the door to the emergency room. And as we were on our way out the door, just something in the Spirit, not in my mind, in the Spirit said this, Worship God. Remember that, sweetie? And I said, darling, come sit down right here on the couch. She sat down, I put my hands over the... And I said, now let's lift our hands and worship God. And we started worshiping God and worshiping God and worshiping God and worshiping God and worshiping God. And I heard her take a breath. <sighs> and that healing anointing just flooded over her. And we didn't go to emergency room. And I went up and took a nap and came down. She had my dinner ready. <laughs> That's the truth. Amen. Now, other things you can't do that with. You say, what do you mean? There are things that have to do with your calling, your destiny, your life. Hey, if I could make that building happen, I'd make it happen. I can do certain things to accelerate the will of God by obeying God. I've got plans ready to go. I've got contractors hired. I've got everything that I could do in the natural done, but I still have to wait on the Lord and be patient. Us as a church have to do that. So if you have to understand that in these two components of your faith walk, the enemy wants to do this. This is where he frustrates people so bad. And that's why a lot of people just walk away from this. He tries to get you to try to make happen what you should be letting happen. And he tries to get you to make happen what you should be letting. Did I say it right? Tries to get you to make happen what you should be letting happen. And what you should be letting happen, he tries to get you to make it happen. And you end up frustrated. You end up, you end up emotionally messed up. You end up doubting anything that God has ever said to you. Doubting anything that is in the Word of God. And literally, it is your path and your journey back into human reasoning, human way of doing things. And you just depart from a supernatural lifestyle. But you know, here, 
Here in the building, we have these exit signs. Now let me just help you. These exit signs will help get you out. I mean, if you just go over here and start walking into the wall and bouncing off and walking into the wall and bouncing off, walking into the wall and bouncing off, and then I go to you and I say, what are you trying to do? So I'm trying to get out of here. I'd say, that's not the way. That's just going to frustrate you. You keep walking in the wall, walking in the wall. Eventually you may break a little sheetrock, but there's some two-by-fours behind there that you might not get through. Especially on that wall, because we tried to soundproof it as much as we can, so you might have a difficult time getting through that wall. But, if I say but... I got a better way. You say, what's a better way? See that red sign? It says exit. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians 10 says, there's no temptation uh, that has befallen you such as is common to man. But with every temptation, God has given us a way of escape. So if you're having problems getting out of your financial problem, getting out of your physical problem, getting out of that problem in your marriage, your job, your business, it may be you're walking up against the wall, walking up against the wall, walking up against the wall. And the more you walk up against the wall, the harder it gets and the hurter you get. Does that make any sense? Harder, harder. Boy, that's a tough one. Go home and untie my tongue. The harder the wall gets and the more knots you got on your head. But then God says, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have given you, one, one translation says an exit, one says an exit ramp, one says a way out, one says a wide open space which to run through. To get out of your temptation. You say, what temptation? The temptation to be poor, the temptation to be sick, the temptation to be depressed, the temptation to go to the divorce court, the bankruptcy court, or anywhere else. But you've got to have enough sense to do it. You've got to have a desire to do it. So today, if I could simplify this whole thing, it's this. Number one, have faith in God. Are you with me? You say, now what does that mean, Pastor? Believe there is a God. Now when you believe there is a God, you have to do it on this level. I believe there is a God who is my very own heavenly Father. That's why I wanted to teach this on Father's Day. You say, what do you mean by that? If He's my very own heavenly Father, that means my origin is Him, my provision is in Him, my purpose is through Him, and I live my life for Him. Amen. Did you get that? Yes. Now, when you do that, once, you, once you've totally settled, there is a God. You know, people say that sometimes when the, when the, when the, when the Oilers used to win a football game, people would say, there is a God. All the old Houston people laugh at that one. Amen. But that's, that is the idea of most people. Well, there is a God. Well, do you believe in Him? Well, there is a God. But do you believe in Him? Well, well there is a God. Secondly, there is a God. Secondly, He lives in us. He lives in us. Well, if I could just get through the stars and the moon and get to heaven and get to God, you don't. He's right here in your spirit. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He abides. You're born again. Jesus is in there. The Holy Ghost is in there. The Father is in there. And they're all brought together in the person, the power of the Spirit of God. Spirit abides. Spirit abides. Then thirdly, there is an empowerment 
beyond educational power, physical power, mechanical power, military power, civil power. There is an empowerment beyond and above it all. The empowerment of God through the baptism and the Holy Ghost. He say, but I tell you, every time you talk about that, then you get off on them tongues. Just let's end with that. Faith to speak in tongues. You say, what do you mean? Because it's only done by faith. I was doing a meeting down in, in uh, what was the name of that town? It's right out, Robstown, Texas. It was a district-wide, the Assemblies of God, their youth group, uh, uh, they're called CAs, Christ Ambassadors. So I was doing a CA rally. Uh, the, the large Assembly of God Church in Corpus Christi, I'd been holding a meeting for them, and the, and the youth pastor said, why don't you go do this, this, this CA rally? And I'm like, yeah, great, you know. So I went down there, and there was, man, there's a big crowd, about five, six hundred, all teenagers. And I preached on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and gave an altar call, and that whole altar filled up. So we were laying hands on kids, on teenagers, and they were all being filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, just touch them, they're just being filled. And I came to a lady who was probably in her mid-60s. And I said, you look a little older than a teenager, and she laughed. And I said, are you down here to receive the Holy Ghost? Now, she was a member of that church, and this is what she said. She said, I've been seeking the baptism in the Holy Ghost for 19 years. I said, 19 years? She said, 19 years. I said, well, you don't have to seek anymore because he's here right now. And she said, do you really think it's that simple? And I said, it's that simple. And so I said, let me help you. I said, say this. So I led her in a prayer that affirmed her salvation. After that prayer, I said this. I said, say this after me. Today, she said, today, I'll be filled, I'll be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the Holy Ghost, and speak in other tongues, and speak in, and when it came to speaking, she said like this, and speak in other tongues. I can tell there wasn't enough faith to blow out a candle hardly. So I said, say it again. She said it again. I said, say it again. She said it again. I said, say, I had her do it about 10 times. She could tell she's getting frustrated. But the last time she said it, she said it like this. And speak in other tongues. She was just mad. As soon as she said that, I lay hands on her and immediately she started speaking in other tongues. Because see, your words have power to convince you. Now, a lot of preachers have preached on the baptism of the Holy Ghost and ministered to thousands of people without ever really delving the depths of the phenomenon of it. It's a mirror. Somebody goes, That is a physical miracle. It is a spiritual phenomenon and a physical miracle. For a man or a woman to be able to speak in a language, a true language, not yabba-dabba-doo, you know, or some gibberish, but a true language. Amen. It is a physical phenomena and a spiritual miracle. And when you understand the power and the makeup of your communication system, the intellect being able to assimilate and transmit thought through speech patterns understandable by other human beings that speak your same language. Now, if somebody spoke Spanish to me, I may pick up a phrase or two because I've been exposed to it all of my life. I hear them over in Ireland speak Gaelic. I don't have a clue on Gaelic. That's just a crazy language, you know. Other languages I've heard. But in reality, our ability, now this is, if you get this, this will blow your mind. Our ability to assimilate and transmit thought in detailed 
intelligible ability or a way to do that is far beyond anything else in creation. Cows don't talk. Ducks don't talk. Deer don't talk. Dogs don't talk. They bark. They move. They quack. And they do not form any type of intellectual communication with that. But we can form words and transmit them and to the however detailed you want it to be. Leah used to get so mad at me when I used to travel, Dustin, because I'd come home. She'd say, how are your meetings? I'd say, they were good. <laughs> meetings were good. And then she'd hear some, this happened or that happened. She said, why didn't you tell me that? Women want the details. They want a lot more communication. That's why we have Amplified Bibles. Amen. <laughs> but one of the greatest revelations you can have on your tongue and intellect is that your tongue has its, a mind of its own and can disconnect from intellectual thought and hook itself up to a whole bunch of stuff. Hey, have you ever said anything because you were mad? Angry? And you thought, oh, shouldn't have said that. I got a big scar on the side of my head right here where I was standing at a pool table in Austin, Texas, and this big guy said something to me, and I wish I'd have never said what I said back to him because he whacked me upside with a pool cue. <laughs> right upside my head, whack. There are other things in my life I wish I'd have never said it because my tongue was hooked to my disappointment, my anger, my pain, or hooked to some foreign substance. Somebody said, that's just the tequila talking. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. But then the Spirit of God, that same Spirit that is in you, God pours it on you in a baptismal measure. What does the word baptism mean? To be immersed. When people come to our home here in a couple of weeks to receive water baptism, we're not going to sprinkle you. We're going to immerse you. And when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you are immersed in the Spirit of God and you come out with a disconnect taking place. And that disconnect is from the most important part of your being. That which sets the compass of your life is your tongue, your words, your communication. And God says, I want to get into that, so I'm going to disconnect your tongue from your intellect and hook it to your spirit and give you a language that your intellect cannot understand because your intellect can talk you everything out of your spirit says. So you lift your hands, you say, Father, thank you. I believe I received the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God comes upon you and you begin to and you get that initial baptism, those few words come up, then you develop it from there. And the more you develop it, the stronger it gets and the more you reinforce yourself through that Word and by that Spirit into the lifestyle of the Father's family. And when you begin to live in the lifestyle of the Father's family, the departation from the human family Gets, the gap between it gets wider and wider and wider and wider to the point where you get over here and you think, if I ever had to go back and do that, Lord, just take me home because I'd rather not live that way. There's no way I can live that way. And you begin to realize that your life enhancement has gone to a level that you could have never done yourself with all the education you could get, with all the promotion you could get. You could never get to where you really get by the Spirit of God living a spiritual life by faith. Amen? Does that help you today? Lift your hands up, Father. We worship you. Thank you for each and every person here. 
I thank you that your word is working on people's hearts to help impart faith to them, to help each and every one of them receive. Lord, I pray over people that have not received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Lord, I'm just going to plant a seed today. Lord, I thank you that now here in the next two or three weeks, we'll have a period of time when your spirit moves and there's the unction to lay hands and pray for those that need the Holy Ghost. But now we plant the seed in people's hearts. Lord, there are those here that may not know you. The seed has already been planted by the teaching of the Word for salvation. So, Father, I pray that your gentle spirit brings conviction to anyone here today who's not living right, doing right, serving God the way they should, who's broken their fellowship with you, Lord. Thank you, Father, you restore that fellowship today and bring them back into the relationship they need to be. Praise God. Stand on your feet. Heavenly Father, we're so blessed to be in your presence this morning. Thank you for your word, that the entrance of your word brings light and life to us. Thank you, Father, as we leave today, the provision of protection and safety is upon us. We declare over Island Church, we know many are not here this morning because of Father's Day, but Father, we include them in this prayer, declaring no evil befalls them, no plague comes nigh their dwelling place. Angels have charge over them. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for protection and safety in all of our travel. Lord, in the righteous labor of our hands, as we handle the resources you've given us, whether it be out in the ocean, up at the medical branch, the petrochemical plants, all of those that own their own business and construction and all other types of crafts, those that work in the offices, retail, does not matter, and all that work in education, our students and our teachers and administrators. We declare no evil plans of wicked men, no devices of the devil himself, or that which the enemy would try to propagate upon this region. We say no in the name of Jesus, for we abide under the shadow of the Most High. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance that we have. Father, as, as much as the enemy combats us, we push back against the darkness. And this week we declare, we shall be a blessing to people, an answer to their prayer, a problem to the devil, and a miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thank you for our church. And today we leave thanking you. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Don't forget. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.